colorful people, welcome to my show Allies in Politics, where I help people of color and new citizens understand Australian politics. Today we are joined by Tata Moore. Tata Moore is a mother of three, a businesswoman, and she is also running as a local council candidate for the regional council of Dubbo, um, Eastward specifically. Tatum, welcome to the show. You're doing meringue. Good day. Thank you, Tarini, for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. How how has your your week been? Um, different. <laughs> We're on lockdown at the moment, so um, yeah, we've just been home. But I guess for me, just trying to be positive and stay positive. Um, yeah, I think just trying to make the most of the time and that we get to have together at home um homeschooling mm. <laughs> um actually on leave at the moment um just oh that's there. great yeah um so that sort of yeah helps <laughs> a little bit and gives me some time for other things um especially to do with like the campaign now as well so speaking of your campaign did you ever envision that you'd be running for local council unconsciously I think a seed was planted at a very young age Um, and I know just recalling from memory um, you know when I had my first I think it was year five excursion um, to Canberra you know we visit Parliament House and saw the snow for the first time and and just being in Parliament House and within the room and and you know I think because you know I grew up knowing the stories about my great-great-grandfather and knowing that William Bill Ferguson had stood in that room um even at that young age because you know like my my grandmother knew that I was going on that excursion so she was like you know talking about my old great-great-grandfather and so I, I felt I remember being in the room and just felt a sense of connection um just knowing that he was there and when I came home <laughs> I was saying to my nan, I was like, to my nana Blanche, I was saying, nan, when I grow up, I'm going to work at Parliament House. <laughs> so, um, but then, like, obviously, you know, into my teens and stuff, that would have been thrown to the back of my mind. And I think I was about 14, 15, and my nan said to me, Tate, remember when you told me that you were going to work at Parliament House? And I was like, oh, nan, let it go. I was like 11. <laughs> But she never, ever let me, like, forget about it, you know. So I think, yeah, it was definitely always there but pushed to the back of my mind as I sort of progressed through life. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) So after all these years, obviously this was something that was percolating at the back of your mind. What finally made you decide to run for council? Yeah, I think even as I got older, um, I, I, again, probably, you know, unconsciously or even just thought if that was something that I would pursue, I would wait until I was a certain age and had, you know, achieved certain things within my life because, you know, that's what we... And what age would that have been? Probably like 50 to 60 plus. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are grown, like... Yeah, I thought that was like an actual sort of thing. But um, I think, you know, I saw, it was like months prior to politics and colour, I'd seen all these workshops and stuff online. And, you know, I would, it would just sort of 
grab my attention for a moment and I thought oh Mm. I'd really like to see what that is or know what that was about and I would look at the dates and I would you know because usually before the lockdown I'd be in Sydney nearly every weekend with my oldest daughter for soccer so I checked that weekend and I was like oh we're actually I think we we were meant to be in Wollongong or something that weekend and um, was that for the uh, politics and color workshop? Yeah, yep. So when you came to uh, when uh, we had politics and color here in Dubbo, and mm-hmm. yeah, so the I think it was a Friday. We had bags packed, ready to go, and then we got the call that you know the rumor was we were going into lockdown. It was being announced later that day, um, so soccer was cancelled. <laughs> So, you know, everything came to a standstill. So we were like, okay, well, we get to be home for the weekend. And um, that uh, that workshop again popped up into my news feed and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to register. Like I'm here. I'm, it's Saturday. I'm not, I'm going to be home. I don't have anything else to do. Yeah. Sort of went along and it's crazy to even think, but I honestly feel like everything is just aligned. Hey, like. Um, and when I say this too to like family and elders, they say that's how old fellas clear in the path before you because they want to be there. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. What was the workshop on that Saturday? I think I basically made that decision probably that night, emailed the mayor, I think it was Sunday, and it was pretty sure like Monday afternoon we're having coffee. <laughs> and right. I, like, you know what I was, what the hell? <laughs> like, Could you quickly tell yeah. us what the course was about? Um, it was just basically an introduction to politics um Mm -hmm. and I think what was what the icing on the cake was because you know we know like there was some comments from other people there when we were having morning tea and stuff saying oh was this what you expected and I was like honestly I didn't know what to expect (laughs) um I think one lady even said she kind of felt like she was at school but it was good because it was like yes it started with the basics um, but then, you know, we got to hear from other counsellors and I think we already knew that there was never an Aboriginal woman or any woman of colour within our council. But I think when that that real moment of realisation, I think that was the icing on the cake for me. Um, and when I saw, you know, no one else was putting their hand up, Tarini, and no one was tapping mm. me on the shoulder and I just felt like obligated, like I have a responsibility. It was just like, a, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was just like, I have to do this kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it is so interesting, your journey, because first a seed was planted in you. Your grandmother never gave up on you. She kept pushing you to run for office and she yeah. kept reminding you that you have what yeah. it takes. It is in yeah. your blood, you know, to do what what your great-great-grandfather uh, was able to do all those many years ago. And then circumstances developed in such a way that you were now, you were then able to attend the Politics in Colour workshop where you were equipped with the skills to run for council. You know, that's that's just to me is, my mind is yeah. blown, Tatum. <laughs> so when people um, become councillors, they all yeah. come from various different experiences and various different backgrounds. What is it about your background or your experience uh, makes you suitable to be a counsellor? Um, I think just being like a, you know, a Dabe born and bred, um, you know, Cory woman. <laughs> I was born here, I grew up here. Um, so I would start, you know, with, I guess, even just life experience. Um, you know, when you, I grew up, like I'm the oldest child of nine kids with a single mother. Nine kids? Um, you know, 
Yeah, that's just from my mum. Oh my <laughs> my gosh. father has his wife and they have additional children. So. Holy moly. I think it's like 13 in total. Yeah. No, probably about 15. You lost count. In total that I'm actually, <laughs> fight. yeah, including my dad's other children as well. So mum and dad's first, like an only child between them. Um, and then, yeah, there's a bit of a gap as well between me and my younger siblings. Like the second oldest, my brother, I think there's about five years between us. Um, but yeah, like I, I grew up, you know, grew up in housing commission, um, you know, mum on um, welfare and we were surrounded by, you know, domestic violence, drug and alcohol, um, you know, mental health issues. Um, I guess, you know, having family that's caught up in the criminal especially the juvenile justice system, um, mm. you know, I guess people talk about silent generation, that's still a real thing, you know, the removal of children, um, suicide. These are all things that I grew up that, um, you know, was kind of, I guess, somewhat normalised because even as a child, that's all you would see and, and knew. And I think I always internally just had a, like this hope that this couldn't be all that it was, um, that mm. they had to be better. Um, and I think, again, I probably made that internal decision that I wanted better for myself. Um, so, yeah, I was very, uh, I think I have to be grateful that I had the experience to attend an Aboriginal girls hostel for a disadvantaged youth. Um, it was very hard to get into. I remember my mum had to get support letters, you know, to prove that, um, you know, that we might, how bad our experiences were at home for me to be able to get into that school in Sydney. Right. Um, attend an all-girls Aboriginal hostel and attend school there. So I would still come home for school holidays and that was very hard because I'd never been away from my mum, you know, and we'd been through so much from being homeless, being in refuges, mm. um, just, yeah, you name and having to stay with family and friends and, um, you know, even though I lived in Dubbo majority of my life, we always um, travelled back to Nemba country to Burke um, and mm. Burke because that's where a lot of, you know, my, my father's people and my mother's people um, have family out that way. So never stayed in one place too long. We're kind of back and forth until I actually got like a proper house when, um, yeah, within East Dubbo. But, um, yeah, I guess too, like as I sort of progressed through school, you know, got that good quality education <laughs> um, and then was gratefully, you know, went on and, and pursued different types of careers. I mean, we all start out in retail and hospitality. Working my way into, I guess, government roles um, where even now, like I, you know, I, I work in, in uh, Indigenous Corporation for recruitment and training, um, creating, you know, because my background as an Aboriginal business advisor, um, what, it, you know, the circumstances that changed with that, taking it upon myself to create a platform for First Nation people that want to create their own um, small to medium enterprises. So I think if we look at, yeah, life experience and then professionally in my education because, you know, economic development, um, in you know localizing jobs and employment recruitment and training that's that's what I do so mm. those are some of the things that you think that we need someone to have that is on council um, definitely if we want someone to represent us that reflects the people and the real issues that you know because if you look at our council even now <laughs> yeah. or past it's like there's no one there that I resonate with or that reflect 
the diversity or, um, you know, the issues, I'm pretty sure none of them have grown up and experienced some of the things I have. Absolutely, Tatum. And this is the reason why we need more diversity in politics, especially more people of colour in politics, because there are just issues that that not everyone can speak to um and and the sort of things that you've grown up you're, you've experienced and sort of yeah. things that you've seen in your life has shaped you molded you to be the strong woman that you are who who is able to to understand and empathize and uh, hopefully be able to influence those decisions that politicians make yeah. um now aside from your rich background Tatum yeah. you are also a business advisor and I can see how that is a very useful skill to have in council could you talk a little bit more about that yeah so it was a government role um, again very similar to what I'm now doing myself as a business owner um, but yeah specializing in you know supporting and mentoring so working on that grassroots level um, doing all the groundwork you know um, I mean from something simple as applying for an ABN for someone that may not know how, you know, um, mm. because that's what it is. It's, you know, a lot of our people, um, the reality is they come from no income um, or a low income or no income that isn't Centrelink. Um, and then, you know, they're very, um, I guess they have all this experience or qualifications. Like I have to say they're naturally, you know, our people are natural entrepreneurs and naturally talented um, and, they're really good at what they do, but when it comes to the business aspects, you know, they need that support and that know-how and someone to give them the tools um, to be able to, you know, I guess achieve what they're, what they're trying to achieve. Um, and we, I guess I have a system set up that, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to work with all different organisations to provide that overall um or you know all round support so they're supported at all rounds because we talk about our people falling through the gaps right um mm. when it comes to things like you know even mental health and well-being um there's a lot of things that people i guess we don't really talk as much as we should um mm. and some of the organizations not talking to each other either but um ensuring that we're getting the best outcome for that person you know um and that's just, that's me to a T, you know, because my, you know, our people and community is at the centre of everything that I do um, with them in mind. Um, and I think when you look at the Western and Indigenous logical perspective, you know, Indigenous is like people, when you talk to them about business, it's very community oriented. Like they're not in it to see how much money they can make. They're like, you know, what can I give back to community? How, you know, how can I make a difference? They provide employment and training opportunities. So I feel like as an Indigenous person and, and balancing that with Western as well, I feel like, you know, I, I, have a healthy balance of both and being able to bring that to the table um, definitely is an advantage and, and very beneficial, especially when it comes to dealing with land, you know, environment, um, heritage, bringing that, that cultural approach um, because obviously as a First Nation woman, those things are very, very important. Yeah, and obviously there are lots of advantages to having you as a councillor, Tatum, uh, <laughs> as yeah. you have explained very clearly. Um, yeah. and, and you're no stranger to challenges, right? You've overcome so many in your life. 
um, during the course of your campaign. Can you talk a little bit yeah. more about the challenges that you faced and and you've had to overcome? Oh, it's yeah, it's definitely because like I'm stepping into a whole new world, right? Um, and I'm standing, or I should say, running towards a system that was created for someone, or wasn't created for someone like me to be a part of. <laughs> so overcoming those barriers, you know, breaking down those stereotypes, this yeah is definitely a challenge. Um, but again, when we sorry, so what do you mean by breaking down stereotypes? Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> There was so much to unpack there, <laughs> right? Yeah, but being obviously being a woman of colour and knowing that our councillors never, ever had a woman That's of right. colour, that again is breaking <laughs> stereotypes, you know, mm. um, and overcoming the barriers, you know, despite what my background and, you know, my life experiences, like you said, using those to, I guess, strengthen me and, and motivate me. Um, because at the end of the day, too, uh, you know, for me, it's not about me. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, <laughs> I think that's been a challenge in itself. And especially when it comes to the media, like um, I think even just from politics and colour and, and even different counsellors that I've spoken to and reached out to for, like, advice, and they've all said um, prepare yourself. You know, you kind of have to have a thick skin for especially with social media, what people may say and stuff about you. Mm. Um, I found, you know, because my way of thinking has, has changed too, Trudy, and you would know, you've probably picked up in the, you know, we talk about the vaccine and all that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, if someone had asked me a month ago because I, you know, it wasn't, it didn't exist here in Dubbo. What, so for me, what I didn't, didn't exist in Dubbo. Oh, well, no, there was no cases. Nobody I knew had it. So I kind of was just like, oh, well, you know, it was that that thought that it could be fake and you read into conspiracy theories and all that. So, you know, but obviously then that quickly changed in a matter of weeks where people that, you know, we know and love that are, you know, well-known in our community and and communities such as Bree Warren, um, uh, Burke, sorry, Mm. that have like, I think, 30 cases now, but that it's real, you know, this is happening right now so my mindset about it really changed and I went from you know um even the vaccine you know I was like oh I don't really know if I want to have that to now being that person that's telling people Mm. you know get tested um you know encouraging them that they should go you know make that decision talk to your GP in fact you were in a video where you were encouraging people to get vaccinated and that video uh, went viral. Yeah, so New South Wales Health from um, ACT reached out, asked me to do, like, give, you know, like record myself just with a message mm-hmm. to encourage, because at the moment, majority of the cases are First Nations people, and to encourage them to, you know, stay home, you know, get tested um, and to get vaccinated. And that went viral and <laughs> had over a hundred thousand plus. Mm. I haven't even, I didn't even want to look, but I remember when um, I was reminded of the video and I was like, oh crap, it's, you know, it's up. I clicked on it and I went to the comments and oh. yeah. And just the first couple I read and it was comments about my Aboriginality saying, you know, what, you know, oh, yeah, I didn't even want to get into it, but I was just like, that was my mistake. I was like, okay, I can't read anymore because they weren't even paying attention to the message. It was more about judging me 
um, for saying you know, yeah. that I'm a, a proud um, Wiradjuri, Yorta Yorta and Barkindji woman and they're going, oh, so what percentage is she? And just, <laughs> oh, you know, no. all these comments about. And then again, I think when I announced that I was running, you know, most of the feedback was very, very positive. But you're always, I find, you know, when you click on the shares, <laughs> Yeah. so it's people that don't know you and you're like oh who's this that shared it but because it's public you're able to read it and then seeing all these people that don't know you judging you mm. um and even saying because you know I think in the message I had that you know um that I'm running for council and if elected I'll be not only the youngest candidate um but the first um woman of color yeah. on council um in the Dubbo local government area and people were commenting things like oh why do you have to make it about color like um I can't understand identity but why color and I'm like (sighs) do you not see any like is that all you got from that you don't see anything exactly wrong with there never ever being a woman of color but yeah I try not to get caught up in all of that so again that's that's a challenge because you're really putting yourself out there Tarini absolutely and this is this is a theme that keeps coming up time and time and again when it comes to people of color. Um, others don't pay attention to the substance of what they are saying. Uh, um, and instead, a lot of focus um, is on how they speak, yeah. how they express themselves, um, how they dress, where, where, where are they from? Are they even Australian? You know, And throughout your your few months of, of running, um, uh, you've had a lot of press, right? Press coverage. Um, yeah. Has has that experience all been good? Uh, <laughs> I think you, yeah, it's definitely important to keep yourself grounded and, um, you know, remind yourself who you are and, and, you know, just being true and authentic because your media will reach out to you and there's a certain story that they want to spin or a message and, you you know, you have to really be smart and know that, yeah, that doesn't resonate with who you are and that you don't want to be a part or be perceived in that, in that light. Um, so there was, yeah, there's been different sort of messages, but I've, just been strong and like kindly declined and just been like I don't think that's a part of my journey or you know that's um that's true to who I am and um, I'm not going to speak on something that you know I think that I don't really know too much about either or if I don't truly have an opinion about that because again like I don't have all the information um or maybe it's just not something that I stand for so there is that pressure because you know um I'm getting yeah messages and phone calls and stuff all the time from journalists that are being like um another one was asking you know um what I thought about my children being vaccinated and I was like that's not even a conversation that you know me and my partner have been talking between us both about um, you know, getting vaccinated. But when it comes to our kids, that's a whole nother, <laughs> like my, especially for my youngest and wanting to know, you know, what my plan, and I'm like, um, you know, I haven't even had those conversations with my family or my partner and my kids. Like, Do you also find that journalists sometimes try to put you on the spot? Yeah, that's, I kind of feel that way. So I think even when you're being interviewed, you know, and they do catch you off guard and they do ask that, I think, yeah, you know, you're really thinking about your answers because that's what you, (laughs) so sometimes you are put on the spot. Um, Mm. But 
I don't know, yeah, just I think just being true to yourself if, and saying, you know, if it's something that they they ask you to comment on, maybe even just saying, look, I don't feel comfortable commenting on that right now. <laughs> um, mm. And Tatum, I must say, as a young Indigenous woman, there are just so few of you in the political arena. Yeah. And, and because there are so few of you, no wonder, uh, especially yeah. media journalists, want to hear your voice. But what is, and this has been a big bugbear of mine, and I hear that, uh, you know, and definitely diverse candidates should keep this in mind as well. I'm glad you brought that up is that sometimes they want your voice to fit their narrative. And yeah. that is unacceptable. Um, the whole, and it defe defeats the purpose of having diversity, uh, especially in politics in the first place. And I think it's same, like even people just from the community, because they're strongly campaigning something like, um, it's a touchy subject, but our bridges, right? Mm -hmm. When I first announced that I was running, I had people, con you know, contacting me and wanting to know what my opinions were and where I stood. And <laughs> I was like, I can't comment on that. Like it would be unethical on my behalf because I'm not in council. You know, I'm, I'm running as a candidate. I'm trying to get in there. but Absolutely. And it does seem like, you know, you have to satisfy the the various views of your community as well and and obviously you need to put the community views above yours so on that topic what will your approach towards community consultation be when and if you become a counselor i definitely feel you know just being accessible and approachable but um like my focus too i think internally would be you know reconciliation not just for first nations people but between non-indigenous people and council as well to mm -hmm. open up that communication to provide the consultation and the engagement that our council is lacking um, because communication is is the key right it's mm -hmm. truly yeah truly consulting and, and engaging and um being real being real and authentic um but also i think being responsive to what their needs are, um, you know, not just listening and then not, you know, nothing further comes, um, you know, from it. But I think that council puts you in a position that you're able to take all that on board and, and bring that to the table, bring that to the light um, and hopefully, you know, win because <laughs> it's not just one person, right? I mean, you have to be able to get the other councillors and, you know, the people on council to side with you and be like, okay, this is a real thing. We need to do something to change this, to fix mm -hmm. this. Um, but I definitely feel like that it's, yeah, it definitely puts you in a position that you're able to really create change. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel, yeah, just my approach is, yeah, just being accessible, approachable and responsive, mm -hmm. um, that I'm truly there for the people and community, that that's yeah, the centre of everything that I'll do, you know. <laughs> we have touched on this lightly earlier. Um, you've taken this first step. Uh, as as into your career in politics, yeah. what would you advise or say to other people of color that look at you and think, "Oh my goodness, yeah. you know, she's really doing this," and I want to do, I want to run, but oh, I, no. <laughs> but I'm either too scared or, or just don't know where to start. I think, um, yeah, not to think too much about it, just to do it. Um, you know, if you. Yeah. 
I think if you genuinely care in your heart um, about your pe- like your people and community and you want to create change, I definitely see council, um, whether it's council or, you know, state, federal parliament, um, the way to do that to, I encourage you to stand up, to be that leader, to be that voice, um, you know, someone that your community can count on because if we're not a part of those conversations and those discussions, how can we change we can't create change until we are actually sitting at those tables and are a part of those decision making rooms right absolutely i completely agree with you especially where indigenous people are concerned there is so much disconnect between what is being implemented and what what is actually being needed uh, on the ground and someone like you who has done the community work really understands what the community needs and wants and has the connection would, would be great for council or literally any other position in politics. Um, but obviously you can't, you can't uh, run a political campaign focusing on all issues. You're going to have uh, a few focus areas. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Um, if I had to pinpoint it, I think, because one, again, I say, you know, for change to really, to reflect change within our community, it has to happen internally. Um, so, you know, some of my focus again would be like on, you know, I guess the reconciliation action plan to provide, um, I guess that pathway, you know, to, to really connect with our community. Cause like we said, there's a disconnection there, um, whether it's, you know, not just our first nation people, but, um, you know, the diverse <laughs> community that we have all ages, um, genders, you know, um, you know, whether they have disability or, you know, just everyone needs it. Yeah. We, that need for equality and involvement that all of everyone needs to be a part of the decision-making processes. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be one is just, um, I guess, promoting that equality and that um, diversity and in, in being inclusive. Um, the second would definitely be environment, I'd have to say, and just even from conversations that I'm having, but as a First Nation person and, you know, feeling a strong connection to our land and, and water. Um, and I think that covers a broad range, especially when it comes to, you know, not only managing the water and the land, but infrastructure projects, affordable housing, you know, um, yeah, any building projects, mm-hmm. um, you know, land, what's good for the land obviously has to come first. Um, and then third, um, definitely youth. Um, you know, our young people, they're our future leaders. So, and one thing, you know, that you know that I feel really strongly about is um, justice reinvestment and people say, yes, that's a state issue, whatever. But for me, I'm a problem solver. I tend to focus on what is in our control, what mm-hmm. can we so again, it comes back to, I think, number one by, you know, um, community engagement, but forming that working party from, you know, people of all ages and backgrounds, as well as, you know, police, health, community services, all coming together, working together to decrease the incarcerate, uh, incarceration rates of our children. That is in our control. Um, mm. And I think, you know, they take they say it takes a village to raise a child. So, you know, rather than blame and, and complain about what is out of our control, I think, would be my pinpoint that's me as a person I'm like let's take let's forget about all that and let's focus on what we can do to create real change to fix this 
you know what, Tatum, just hearing you speak so passionately about the things that you care about, um, your history, your political history via your great-great-grandfather, um, all the challenges that you had to overcome as a child yeah. growing up, you know, AKA the Bronx and um, becoming the strong yeah. person that you are, you know, being a mother of three. And on top of that, you're also a business mm. advisor, a business mentor, um, and someone who's community minded and really truly cares about local issues. I can see all of that being so valuable in local council. So for those who are listening in today, um, and they've yeah. heard you speak so far, how can they help you win? What are all the ways, yeah. you know, or how are all the ways they can show support? Um, I think, well, one, definitely make sure that they're a liker of my <laughs> my page on Facebook, commenting and sharing, um, you know, even if they're not from here, um, because, you know, the internet, right, like <laughs> it can reach a whole range of people from all over. So I think that's really important. Um, maybe even, you know, checking out my website um, and even just, you know, I would encourage more people to reach out to me for a yarn, you know. Um, I'm giving you the opportunity to approach me, to get to know me. I want to get to know them, but also share with me what their concerns are or or maybe even what their aspirations are, you know, for our community. So um, I definitely encourage people to reach out. And I think the last thing is, well, and it's an important thing too. So when you're campaigning, obviously financially, <laughs> that's that's another challenge as well. You know, as a First Nation, I don't even think just as a First Nation woman, but not everyone, you know, I don't come from money, obviously, but um, that in itself is, yeah, huge. So I think if people really want to help me and really want to see me get elected, um, I encourage them if they can, every, anything helps, but if they could potentially make a donation, um, you know, big or small, every like I said, every little bit helps, that is going to help me to, I guess, with my campaign, but be able to reach the, you know, the other people that aren't on social media, that access to that um you know whether it's the newspaper or um i guess even just putting little um things in the post right or in the boxes Ab absolutely and you know in your community not, not everyone is online and especially yeah and there are a lot of indigenous people who who really um live uh, off yes. the grid as well so news something um, um, being able to spend some money on um, newspapers, uh, newspaper ads and sending out flyers, leaflets, whatnot. So traditional forms of advertising. And, you know, um, as a, a Tatum's digital campaign manager, yeah. I agree with everything she has said so far. Um, and listeners, if you if you uh, have loved what you have heard so far and really want to see Tatum win, um, because keep in mind, there aren't enough people of colour. Yes. We need people like Tatum uh, on council. And if elected, she would be the first Indigenous woman and the youngest councillor ever elected. So we need every support that we can get to get her elected. Um, and yeah, her tagline is Dabo deserves more. So if you do think that Dabo deserves more, <laughs> please step up and help support this amazing, amazing, amazing person. Um, so Tatum, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. And also thank you for taking the courage to run. Mandango, thank you so much, Tarini. Um, yeah, and thank you for your support as well, because I couldn't... <laughs> 
do this without you. So, yeah, truly appreciate you and, yeah, grateful for you. So thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe. Allies in Politics podcast is part of the larger Allies in Colour organisation, where we advance people of colour in jobs, business and politics. Follow us on Twitter at Allies in Colour and also don't forget to join our Facebook group with the same name. Until next time.